Over five and a half wide receivers in round one is one I'm excited about. Under three and a half quarterbacks. Those two I'm going to hit pretty hard as we get closer to draft. Welcome to Props and Hops, a betting and beer podcast powered by Dimers.com. I'm your host, Matt Landis, and this week's episode, the second annual NFL Draft Betting Deep Dive with the whale capper, Drew Dinsick. If you're listening to this, odds are you know Drew as an NFL, NBA, and tennis handicapper, doing great work as an analyst with NBC Sports Edge and the co-host of NBC's Bet the Edge podcast, Drew also doing co-hosting duties on the Deep Dive podcast with friend of the show Andy Molitor. And last year when Drew made his first appearance to break down the NFL draft, it was such a blast to connect with him, so I think we might have a new tradition going here, bringing him back on for the 2022 draft. In this year's case, we take a look at the overall market, as well as the roller coaster ride that's been the betting market for the number one overall pick, and then we take a process-driven look at bets we've already got in pocket, as well as bets that are in the sites to make sure we're providing some actionable information. One housekeeping note before we cut to the conversation, if you'd be interested in connecting with a community of like-minded bettors, I'd encourage you to check out the Dimers Discord channel, now up to more than 2,300 members strong and counting. You can find that Discord channel via the link in the show notes. And now, enjoy the 2022 NFL Draft Deep Dive with the Whale Capper, Drew Dinsick. Drew Dinsick, we had a successful debut appearance for you on Props and Hops to preview the NFL draft last year. Back at it again for 2022. We might be on to a tradition here. Welcome back to Props and Hops. <laughs> Oh, thanks again for having me. It's great to to reconnect. Haven't seen you since uh, winter. Hope your uh, spring is going well. We've had as good a weather as I could have hoped here in the Southland. So uh, enjoying my spring. Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to see how life was going for you since we last uh, connected before the Super Bowl. I know that we had you on to preview the Super Bowl and the Olympics from a betting perspective. And then you were one of the stars of Radio Row. Also, we met up in person at Highland Park Brewery. Probably a bigger highlight for me than for you, but that was an absolute blast. Also, the Rams coming through for you in the Calcutta. So how has life been treating you over these past few months? Uh, you know, running well, sports betting. Uh, you know, the NBA regular season treated me extremely well. Um, and then now just sweating out a couple of uh, futures positions. Need some suns to come through for me in the uh, in the M- you know NBA playoffs here. Obviously, the injury last night to Booker was depressing, but uh, still feeling good about my uh, my overall portfolio. So we've pivoted right into NBA playoffs. All right, and with the NBA playoffs also comes NFL draft season, so we can get ready to dive into that. And as a bit of a primer for people, I guess first off, I'll note that in addition to everything you're doing on the deep dive, uh, fresh off a great interview with Vegas Refund, you also appeared this morning as we record this Wednesday evening, April 20th, on the Football Analytics Show with friend of the pod, Ed Fang, who I would put on the Mount Rushmore of betters with whom to share an old-fashioned 
And I'd highly encourage that people listen to everything you're up to on the deep dive and on Ed's show. So I'll try to advance versus repeat some of these conversations. But one of my initial takeaways, thinking of a primer for this conversation, was you touched on two factors really standing out in this draft cycle. One being uncertainty, starting with the number one overall pick. And number two, a lack of liquidity, unlike what we've seen these past couple of years. So rather than repeat yourself too much, I guess if you could quickly recap those two notions. And then to add on, I'd be curious to see if you think the books might be selling themselves a little bit short by limiting liquidity right now because of all the uncertainty. I know they don't want too much sharp action to drown them. A lot of them took a bath last year. But with limits set properly, I feel like there's also a lot of recreational bettors that we know and, and plenty we don't know that would love to get down if they could. They just don't have the option right now. That's a great way to frame the question because I definitely think they left money on the table. The reason that, and, and you know, to, to kind of fill in some of the context there, liquidity has been extremely thin. Um, there are basically three types of bettors now in the United States. Those that live in states with legal options. Those folks have had, you know, a decent menu to choose from, but pretty low limits. Um, there are betters who are betting into the offshore, you know, kind of major Caribbean and uh, Central American companies. Those op offerings have been super duper lean, tiny menu, teeny limits. Uh, and so if that's your primary way to get down, you basically aren't betting the draft to this point. Uh, and then anyone with uh, kind of a broader network of, uh, you know, movers or paperhead accounts to bet into has had a decent amount and a decent amount of liquidity, but certainly nowhere close to what we had a couple of seasons ago or even last season. Uh, and that I do think reflects some of how the betting, you know, how how the uh, uh, the outcomes went the last couple of years. But I think they left money on the table this year because the uncertainty has played in favor of the bookmakers. Um, most of the time you see a market go up and once the steam starts, it's one way. And so it's, you know, if, if, a, if a number goes from minus 110 to minus 300, it's never coming back. It's going to minus 900, right? And so you're just writing one way action all the way into the abyss. And this year it's been the opposite. Like we've seen the market and the number one overall pick flip like eight times. Um, I remember Kevin, I, mean, I remember Thibodeau being favored in November. Uh, I remember Hutchison being favored in December, uh, Neil in January up to the combine, uh, Icky coming out of the combine, uh, and then back to Hutchinson. And now, you know, this, the steam has been all on Walker. And it's like, if, you know, if you were writing even odd bets on the favorite, cause people are like, well, Neil's minus 110, he should probably be minus 600. We know we're going to, he's the best offensive tackle prospect and the Jags are in the tackle market. Well, now he's you know fourteen to one, <laughs> so you you have massive equity over anyone that laid a price on Neil. Uh, similarly with um, you know Icky and uh, and Thibodeau. So um, yeah, I think if they had offered more on you know more of the markets in the top ten earlier, and there was deeper liquidity, uh, you'd probably see a lot of betters who are sweating it big time in this next couple you know this next week as we wind down to the draft because. The people that I know that bet pretty heavily into the number one overall market are like, they're hanging on for dear life. <laughs> they're like, I'm, I, I think I'm, I think I found a, a path to get profit, <laughs> and as opposed to, uh, you know, a year where people are like, I can't believe I bet Joe Burrow minus five hundred and he's minus twenty five thousand. You know, so it's it's a uh, it's been a unique year, and I think it was kind of uh, you know it was a bad break for the bookmakers, I guess, that they didn't offer more. 
And I think it's probably some of the sharper bettors, you know, who are trying to thread the needle to find a profit. A lot of other bettors, probably 99% of bettors would be struggling even to be in that kind of position. So as the bookmakers approach evolves collectively, I also know as bettors, we can evolve our approach to that end, wondering how you'd say that your approach to the draft has changed over this past year. Well, just because of the liquidity issue, I'm not betting as much <laughs> like that. But uh, kind of to answer the question more correctly, um, you know, we talked last year and we've you know pointed out a couple of highlights of the previous year where you had really, really high probability stuff. And it was priced minus 500, minus 300, minus 500 range. And when you get to the end of the cycle and you have liquidity available and you can get a bet written. You know, it makes sense to fire as much as you can into something that's going to get resolved real quickly that ought to be priced at 100% and it's priced at 95 or 90, right? And so most of my betting this year is going to be in that spirit. Um, and, uh, you know, I look at some options like um, over five and a half wide receivers. Um, you know, we broke this down in, in pretty great detail, but like I count five going by pick 22, so realistically, you just need the Chiefs who are definitely in the market for wide receiver or, um, you know, Tampa Bay or any other, uh, you know, kind of late team there to scoop a wide receiver in the end of round one and you got six. And it's not crazy to, to come up with a path to get to seven. So uh, something like that laying minus 325 is probably what, you know, I'll, I'll be hitting that pretty aggressively in the final week. Um, similarly, under... Um, three and a half quarterbacks is still available at reasonable price minus 250 ish range. Um, <clears throat> I can entirely see the quarterback sliding out of this first round, considering the way the teams have kind of, you know, kind of diverged where there's not really anyone with a pressing need uh, or anyone with uh, you know, like a true incentive uh, to, to go swing uh, and take a risk on one of these quarterbacks who's going to be, um, you know, probably a, a negligible factor this season uh, and certainly, uh, you know, a lesser prospect than the quarterbacks coming out next season. One of the factors you touched on early on was that you'll be betting more later in the process, almost out of necessity, given what the markets presented to us so far this draft betting cycle. And circling back to another point you made previously, the number one overall pick being such a roller coaster ride. I know that you, myself, uh, some others probably have gotten quite exposed uh, in that area since it's been <laughs> one of the only things on the board for much of the past yes. few months. I mean, you touched yeah. on it. It's gone from Thibodeau to, you know, Neil, Icky, Hutchinson twice now, Walker getting this team at this point. How would you just describe your experience riding that roller coaster and any takeaways you might have from it that could potentially inform you know, betting for future drafts if the number one pick is what we're going to see for, you know, most of the time between the Super Bowl and draft day. Yeah, well, next year is going to be super different because it's literally going to be which of these two potential elite prospect quarterbacks should go on. And that may be a, a that may be a decision that's already in our rear view mirror come November, right? Like it could be that could be decided way early. But as we sit here now, that's that's how that market is shaping up. Um, this year, it was insane because you had a team in the Jaguars who ended up with the number one overall, and um, they have so many cooks in the kitchen and so many needs in terms of you know addressing issues on their um, in their roster, and so few true blue chip elite, no doubt prospects that everything that was ever talked about about drafting one point one from January through two 
to today is speculative. Um, you know, I think the the people with the, the closest ties to the organization would tell you that there is still uncertainty about who goes number one as we sit here a week away from the draft. That's crazy. Um, that never happens. I think we have to go back to like maybe Chiefs taking Eric Fisher to find another comparable where, you know, it was this uncertain as to who was going to go number one a week out. At least even the position is uncertain. Like the Browns taking Baker Mayfield didn't firm up until about two days before. Um, but you knew they were taking a quarterback. It was just a question of which of a couple, a handful, right? And so this is pretty unique, and it definitely is it speaks to sort of some of the uncertainty swirling around the Jaguars specifically. Um, I think the consensus that I can point to with a lot of people now reporting this is that there's a dis- you know, difference of opinion in the house. Balky likes Walker, defensive coordinator and uh, defensive, you know, positional coaches like Hutchison and. Um, and Doug Peterson wants an elite tackle in Icky. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately the idea that you can get a decent sized price uh, on Balky's guy, considering he's probably going to have the most sway in the decision making process, makes sense to me. Uh, on top of that, some birdies have kind of spilled, uh, spilled the beans that that's the way that the Jaguars intend to go. And now, whether that's real or smoke, I can't tell you. But um, for those of us who are, you know, thirsty in the desert, we're drinking the water. So that's all I can kind of describe it. Yeah. And, and the water is drying up when it comes to that number one overall pick market. But if we zoom out and look at the rest of this class, any general thoughts and perhaps any opportunity you see to use some perhaps misguided, but common talking points to your advantage as a better. Yeah. So I, Two things kind of stick out to me. Number one, there's a little bit of a top-heavy cornerback class in this draft. We have two true elite prospects and maybe a two and a half if you want to, you know, really just two. And you have a whole, a whole handful of teams that need cornerback. So I think the likelihood that cornerback becomes uh, kind of a coveted choice early in this draft, like top 15, top half of the draft. If we see two or three, you know, we certainly are going to see two. If we see three, I won't be shocked. And I think that puts pressure on, uh, you know, on a prop like McDuffie 17 and a half uh, is a good example. Like he may be best cornerback available come pick 13, you know, 12 when the Vikings are picking and they almost certainly need to address that as a need. Um, you know, your chargers in a similar boat, we've heard a lot of smoke around them trying to go for cornerback. They may be a landing spot at 17. So, uh, a cornerback run early seems real to me. Um, as well as like a little bit of a, I, I guess I'll call it a mini slide in wide receiver. Um, there's so little separation between the wide receivers in the top four that uh, and really really the top three but four because i've heard a lot of people still glowing about olave but um you know jameson williams is your most talented prospect but has health concerns because he won't be available to start the season uh garrett wilson and uh, drake london are both good wide receivers but maybe not you know worthy of top 10 status considering who we've seen come through in the last two years especially um, and so I think, uh, you know, a lot of teams that need to take wide receiver are more will be more willing to see who is available when they pick as opposed to really going aggressively and going and getting their guy. Um, and so I think uh, if you if we only see one wide receiver in the top 10, that's not going to surprise me. I'll follow up about the wide receivers with a bit of a selfish question here, because just yesterday doing some shopping. And again, the, the point I'm about to make is to try to inform on the process of the value of line shopping uh, more than, you know, I, I have my biggest pet peeve is when people talk about a bet they have that's no longer available, but I'll try to make this a useful thought exercise moving forward. 
Chris Olave, consensus under 17 and a half in the minus 150 range. I found him at even money under 17 and a half at an offshore that caters more toward recreational betters and actually takes more than 50 or hundred dollars. So That's nice. that, that felt pretty refreshing. And at the same time, I hear you that, you know, it, it's by no means a lock when wide receivers are potentially going to be sliding a little bit. Of course, a lot of them still going to go in the first round, but when it gets to a guy like, you know, Olave, who's not in the conversation, you know, we don't have the Raiders picking in the first round this year, fortunately. So probably nobody going to pull Olave as the first receiver off the board. But how far do you see guys like him potentially sliding as we get toward the middle or perhaps the later part of the first round? Yeah, I think 17 and a half is still a fair play if you can get it at evens. Um, you know, he's coveted. A lot of people think he's, you know, wide receiver two or three out of this class. Um, and all you need is, uh, you know, all you need is a team trying to fill that need. The trends, any team that's sitting back and considering themselves a contender is looking at what the kind of the takeaways were from last year's postseason. It was pretty clear. You need elite playmakers at the skill positions. You need you need a bunch of wide receivers. Can't just be one guy. You got to have a bunch of guys. And um, I think that uh, a lot of the teams that are kind of in that middle class and you know, particularly, um, you know, the, the, see that identify that need and are going to try to uh, fill those gaps. When I think of the slide, I'm thinking like, you know, there's guys like Wilson in London and even now Jameson Williams who are lined to go in the top 10. Um, I just don't see enough spots. There's, you know, there's too many elite tackles, too many elite edge rushers, and then potentially a premium on cornerback that might uh, absorb a lot of those picks in the top 10, uh, which would then induce, uh, you know, you know, maybe uh, four guys go between um, the uh, the 10th pick and the 17th pick. That wouldn't shock me. All right. If, if you're keeping that cutoff at 17, then sounds good. I wouldn't even say 16th pick, really. I mean, the the they're, the Saints need the Saints need a wide receiver. Certainly, they they are in the Olave market. Um, the uh, you know they're they, I've heard a lot of buzz putting Olave and uh, with the Commanders, but the Commanders have been linked to basically every wide receiver. So uh, I wouldn't uh, you know write home about that one, I guess. But there's there is enough smoke that puts him uh, near the top that I think you're uh, you're in fine shape there. Got it. All right. Well, that's good to hear. And now I will uh, move on so that people without Olave at Even Money can still extract <laughs> plenty of value from the rest of this conversation. And something we did last year, another thought exercise I found really valuable. So I'd love to give it another go looking toward the 2022 draft, thinking about, you know, bets that we're glad to have made. Again, not to brag about anything, but to hopefully inform the light on the process so that there's something actionable uh, behind these numbers. And also then after that, looking at bets, we'd maybe take back if we could or anything we're eyeing now or deliberately waiting on, starting with bets that we're happiest to have in pocket. You know, what would you say, um, not only a number that you have, but maybe something process driven that you think could be repeatable for people still looking to bet this year or just draft betting in general? I don't know that I've made a good process oriented bet yet. <laughs> That's kind of sad to say it, but uh, um yeah, I mean, just looking up and down at what I've bet so far, there's not a lot of good process-oriented stuff. Other than, uh, I guess, oh, I made one. I have a I have a Kayvon Thibodeau under five and a half that I think is pretty strong process-oriented because um, there were opportunities to fire away on his over when he had a poor combine, uh, and I exercised a little patience, and I was like, you know what? 
This guy was expected to be the number one overall pick for a long time. The idea that he's all of a sudden, uh, you know, missing that, uh, you know, key, um, you know, missing something important that he's all, you know, his talent isn't going to win out is crazy to me because talent usually wins out, particularly in the top 10. Uh, it's rare that someone who is like bona fide, talented as he is, is passed over. And this is a weak class. And so I kind of sat on my hands for a while there before ultimately kind of coming around to, oh no, Thibodeau is definitely, um, he's definitely rising right now. I think uh, you see three out of the first four picks in some order are going to be edge and it'll be, you know, walk, presumably it'll be Walker, Hutchison. Texans are an enormous question mark to me. And then Thibodeau going forward at the Jets is, is the most likely uh, outcome that I have at this time. And so under five and a half is solid because even if Thibodeau does slide to five, I could see the Giants making that move in a heartbeat. So um, Thibodeau to New York makes uh, makes that a decent process-oriented bet. And I've caught a ton of uh, line value as he's been steamed in this last kind of 48 hours. Um, my best bet that I have in pocket certainly is, uh, you know, Trayvon Walker at uh, uh, plus three fifty to go first overall. Chris was Chris, Chris left that up with pretty decent sized limits with rebets. Didn't move after our friend kind of gave us the hopefully correct inside information on that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, fingers crossed. And so um, if he ends up going first overall, then uh, it's going to be tough for me to have a losing night. Yeah, and I want to touch on Walker a bit more myself, but first with Thibodeau, you mentioned under five and a half, plenty to appreciate with the process you outlined, but as with all bets, it all depends on the price. Uh, what number do you have on Thibodeau, and what would you say would be maybe a price cutoff you have in mind as the market seems to be surging in your direction there? I would make him 80% to go in the top four picks, and I would make him 90 plus to go in the top five. So I think uh, realistically... Um, I would lay up to about minus 500. All right. So still plenty of room there. If people are seeing even something approaching minus 300 and I know better numbers than that are out there as we speak, shifting gears to Walker, you mentioned him as well. Um, something that uh, I bet that was a bit before the plus 350 number prevailed, uh, 16 to one just took a flyer when the whispers started to <laughs> circulate before anything was confirmed. And I'm wishing now that it wasn't just such a small flyer. But the reason I mentioned this, you know, I, I don't want to try to dunk on anybody and that could still lose very plausibly. But again, we talk about line shopping during the NFL season and during the offseason with a market like this. There's no Don Best screen. Yeah, I found a 16 to one when a lot of books had already moved not quite down to plus 350, which was consensus for a little while and has gone down even further since then. But a lot of books had started to go maybe 12 to one, eight to one. And without the Don Best screen, it's harder for books to know what's out there everywhere else. And when all the talk was Hutchinson right after Neil and Icky, Walker took a little while to get on everybody's radar. So just keeping that in mind in the future, um, you know, shopping for the best of the number. It's not always logging into your app or going to the window knowing what you want to bet. It's evaluating the screen, expanding all the menus and, and letting, you know, the bad number come to you and betting accordingly. Yeah, so, for sure. From a process standpoint, I'll good another I'll good uh, that Walker comes through. Oh, I know, me too. I mean, another good way to look at that is there's a lot of um there are multiple ways to bet that specific outcome. Like there's an over one and a half on Hutchinson. And if you're not comparing 
the prices for the number one overall to the over one and a half, then you're doing yourself a disservice because you're taking all of the other outcomes of someone else random gets picked number one out of the equation. Uh, and you are, we already know that the coach specifically prefers icky. <laughs> so it's like you have, you have information in pocket that this could change between now and draft day. Uh, and so, you know, even if you're seeing odds up now and you're interested in this part of the conversation, you're like, Oh, I need to get some Walker. Um, you know, find a Hutchinson over one and a half, see if it's a better price. Uh, and I think as far as process goes, what you're pointing out, that's probably the most, uh, most valuable way you can improve your, your performance when it comes to betting the draft. So we've got some positive exposure. Well, you do on Thibodeau. I think mine is good, even if I didn't get quite the same price on a similar bet that I took recently. Similarly, some good exposure on Walker to go number one overall. On the flip side, uh, it's, you know, not always, you know, rainbows and butterflies and unicorns when we're trying to throw some darts in a draft market like this. Any bets that either just based on the number you have now or based on the process behind them, you would take back today if you could. Yeah, every other bet I made on the number one. <laughs> I like I said, like I, looking looking back on it now, all of it was speculative. None of it was you know, all of it was you know a, just bored firing into a number, thinking like, oh well. Yeah. I I bet Hutchinson at six to one at one point, and boy oh boy did I pat myself on the back hard for like a week. You know, like oh this is. I can't believe he was there. Nobody saw, you know, we saw Cam, Cam Robinson got tagged. They're definitely going defense. They're definitely going to take Hutchinson. He's the best player. Well, that was speculative. Like, we had no information that says the Jaguars were, like, especially keen on Hutchinson. And um, that may end up coming to fruition. But, you know, if you let me have, you know, if you let me have that one back, I would take it back today, even though you can get a better price today on over. You know, I could buy out of it right now for plus money. Um, but, uh, you know, I think process was, was a little bit short-sighted on that one. Yeah, I will say I, I hear you on maybe being a little bit bored or speculative and firing away, but in addition to Hutchinson having Neil and Icky number one overall um, at the time, shopping for the best number and seeing something that was a bit of an outlier, seemed like, okay, I'm willing to make a bet that's good in the moment regardless of the outcome. So uh, I think you don't need to be too hard on yourself there. Of course, a lot of this, I think my big takeaway is bankroll management, just knowing that if you have a big plus number that looks really enticing, especially when we're weeks, if not months out from the draft, when that number one overall market started to appear across a lot of books, there's a lot of time for things to go sideways. So just making sure that even if you think you're taking a good number at the time, um, you know, leaving yourself flexibility to not be in a bind if things get turned upside down on you between that moment and draft day. Yeah, plus you're tying up liquidity, which, you know, right. assuming you could even get a good big size bet down, uh, wouldn't have been worthwhile for any of this, <laughs> this yeah. year at least. <laughs> you know, I, I think maybe the one exception would be if you could have gotten an early number on Kyle Hamilton over, that was, that's the only one that to me, at least at this point, like right. somebody's sitting back and having a good old laugh. And probably thinking, when do I middle this? <laughs> because that thing has drifted from three and a half to like ten and a half, uh, and really no sign of it stopping. I had the long discussion today about, you know, like what's the craziest thing you could see happening in the first round of the draft or first top ten? And it's literally, if, if Kyle Hamilton goes in the top ten, I'll be absolutely floored. I just don't think there's anywhere close to the market that was expected for safety. On top of the fact that his test, uh, you know, his, his physical test was not 
what was expected or really even desired for an NFL safety. So he's in he's in free fall right now. And his I mean, I would even play his total under ten and a half right now at uh, if you could get better than minus one twenty. Yeah, and speaking of Hamilton, listeners to this show may recall we had a pro better hitman on as part of the Bet Bash bonus interview series. And that was right after Hamilton's pro day when he ran a reported 4-7. So people might have some pretty good numbers in pocket looking at what's happened in the market since then. So I hear you on safeties. Also circling back to a point you made a moment ago about tying up liquidity for a while. Um, Maybe something that would help in terms of not having liquidity tied up yet but ways you might get involved over the course of the next week. Are there any bets you haven't placed yet that you're eyeing right now? Yeah, mostly uh, over five and a half wide receivers in round one is one I'm excited about. Under two, under three and a half quarterbacks. Those two I'm going to hit pretty hard as we get closer to draft. Uh, over ten and a half for Kenny Pickett, over ten and a half for Malik Willis are going to be in my accounts. Um, basically just want higher limits on some of these over-unders before firing into them. Um, I think, uh, you know, realistically there are, there are a number of players who are kind of in that Kyle Hamilton range where the mock drafts put them a little too high to start and it's taken a while for them to really come back down to earth. And that's kind of influencing what their total is. Um, and I think uh, a lot of that stuff's going to be fun to fire away on in the final week. But again, you know, just need higher limits on a lot of these. <laughs> wouldn't yeah, wouldn't one, be the worst thing to get some other players up now too. Like these numbers have been getting chewed on for a couple weeks now. It'd be nice to have some fresh, fresh, uh, fresh players to bet. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll get the volume of players you're looking for when Circa gets things going to start next week, but at least, you know, taking real bets, $1,000 limits on 32 player prop over-unders, maybe that'll help the rest of the market, you know, open up to taking on some more liquidity. And to the points you made about bets that are on your radar right now, one more I would add, I'd like to run this by you. Um I think that over one and a half safeties, it's something I've already bet. And I know it's been steamed, but I even think at the current consensus around minus 250, minus 260, there's still a little bit of meat left on the bone. Uh, so hear me out on this, and I'd love to get your take. We can bank on the fact that, you know, we've touched on it. Hamilton, even though the market has just really cooled on him recently, we can assume safely he's still going in the first round, probably comfortably in the first half of the first round. So we just need one more guy to go. The most likely guy is probably Dax Hill out of Michigan. I'm seeing a one-way market that prices him at minus 150 to go in the first round. That translates to a 60% likelihood. But one caveat there, that's a one-way line. And when you can't bet the no, the book is hiding some big. So you got to be wary of that. Let's say his true probability, probably closer to about 55% to go in the first round. And if it's not Hill, there's also Lewis Seen who's gotten you know bumped up on some people's boards in recent weeks. I'm seeing him price at even money to go in the first round. Again, that translates to 50%, but since it's a one-way market, can't bet the no. True probability, probably closer to 45%. A bit of math here, but I'm going to tie it all together. Basically, the way we lose over one and a half safeties is that both Hill and Scene don't go in the first round. And if we consider the probabilities that I just outlined, that these guys don't go 45% for Hill times 55% for scene. Those guys not going that equals a 25% chance that both of those guys don't go. In other words, 75% chance that at least one of them does get selected, which along with Hamilton puts us over one and a half. 
and translating 75% to the odds that we'll see at sportsbooks, that's minus 300. So if a fair price is about minus 300, consensus is about minus 250, still some value there. I think one thing everybody's got to look out for if they're looking to invest in a significant way, make sure you know how Dax Hill is going to be classified. A lot of talk about him playing corner in the league. And I did check to do some due diligence. The NFL.com draft player profile has him pegged as a safety. So feel good that he will count for this bet. But again, if you're looking to invest in a serious way, read the fine print. I think a lot of this comes down to the notion of value versus big. A lot of people think if there's value on a bet, then it means there's a huge plus number attached to it. In this case, if there's a 75% true probability that something happens and you can get it priced closer to 70%, it might not sound like a lot, but that's probably a bigger edge than you'll find on just about any point spread during the regular season. So Drew, did I lose you with any of the math or that explanation or does that logic check out in your book? Checks out to me. Um, the, you have to watch your tail for the uh, one other potential spooky situation. And I don't think this happens because I think the Lions save you if this does come to fruition. There's a chance that Hamilton slides so far that you get into these teams at the bottom that didn't even really do their due diligence on him. You know, like I think it, like if like if you were to tell me that, oh, it's only only one safety gets picked. Oh, it was Hill <laughs> and it was a 29th overall. Right. Like I, I could see that, like, you know, but I, I do think having the Lions sitting there at 32 is a decent backstop for Hamilton because they certainly did their due diligence on him and they need safety badly. So that would be just an absolute gift if, if he landed uh, with for them at 32. But um, that's the only potential leak there. I think your uh, your breakdown of Hill potentially getting grabbed at late in the first round is very, very likely. Yeah, if Hamilton slides past Houston at 13, then I'll probably have to start sweating this a little bit. Yeah, because that this is we see this problem all the time. Like, how does a guy like Aaron Rodgers slide to Packers at whatever 24? Like, once he was past the point where teams had given him like a due diligence check on that teams were like, well, I mean, we weren't prepared for this to answer this question. Should we take him? I don't know. We didn't even look at him. Well, let's just go with the guy we have then, you know, or like, let's just go with the guys we did that. Right. Like that definitely happens when there's weird long slides and uh, for whatever it's worth, Hamilton's the guy in this draft that I think that's likely for. I think that's a really good point and another cautionary tale in bankroll management, just because <laughs> I think that minus 250 has value with a fair price of minus 300 doesn't mean that, okay, you're laying a lot. It's highly likely. Therefore, it's a slam dunk. Like, no, this, this could still lose. I don't think it will. I think more often than not at the current consensus price, it's worth making the bet. But don't put yourself in a spot where if Hamilton does slide, that's really going to derail your night. Great so, point. As we move on from bets we're kind of eyeing right now, is there anything, you know, kind of a last chapter in this part of the conversation leading up to draft day that bets you're deliberately waiting for, thinking you might get invested, you know, maybe in the hours or just the final couple of days leading up to the first round? Nothing I'm dying to bet, really. <laughs> and that may change. Um, I feel like there was about 48 hours before the draft that we found out that Lance was the guy for San Francisco. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I got locked out in the last 24 hours there. It was a very profitable draft last year because he was in like the three or four to one range when we got that news. Um, and uh, as you know, we are now friends with enough very plugged in individuals that uh, we're going to hear that stuff early 
and uh, probably be able to make take, take some action on it. So I think the best bet that I will ultimately make on this draft, I probably haven't even heard of yet. I like it. A lot of anticipation and positive vibes with that sentiment. And I'll say for listeners who might not feel as plugged in and, and you don't know who to even trust throughout this whole process, I think the saving grace could be a willingness to shop around a little bit and think outside the box because piggybacking on your example of Trey Lance last year, at a certain point early on draft day, yeah, the cat got out of the bag. He was going to the Niners. And so a lot of the props, you know, the fascinating market last year was number three overall pick largely dominated by discussion of Mac Jones and Justin Fields before we pretty much knew it was Lance. And at a certain point on draft day last year, number three overall pick heavily juiced in favor of Lance because that information was known. Well, some books also have props. If you want to think about the same bet made in a different way, a lot of books have props saying, okay, which team is going to draft player X? And once Lance had been juiced heavily to be the number three overall pick, there were still markets for will Trey Lance be drafted by the 49ers that were giving good plus payouts? It's the same exact bet worded yeah. a little bit differently. So if you can shop around and expand the menus, you don't have to be the first one to get the information or you don't have to be super plugged in to always benefit from this. Just trying to think a little bit creatively, I would say similar to your answer, I don't have a specific bet in mind, but I think that opportunities like that are very likely to be there for the taking for a better of just about any level in the next week. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, we can start to round the corner and head for home here, Drew, to tie a bow around NFL draft betting. Um, just zooming back out, any overall advice for an up-and-coming better looking to build out their draft day portfolio? Um, you know, these next four or five days, uh, I think you're going to want to pay pretty close attention to the screen. You're going to want to find a resource, keep track of um, what the odds are today, tomorrow, the next day, and see what, you know, see what is being bet. Try to put, you know, put two and two together. Oh, this guy is getting bet because this mock was released and this guy is connected to this team. You know, a guy like Jer Daniel Jeremiah is the best example because he's got such strong connections to the Jets, to the Eagles, to the Ravens, uh, you know, and so, you know, if he's, you know, puts a surprise in his mock or changes his mock all of a sudden with any of those three teams, the likelihood it's based on information and not speculation is pretty good. Um, and at that point, you're going to start to see those guys get steamed. So uh, if this is your first time kind of going through that cycle, I think it's just pretty important to just see what the mainstream media channels are saying about these guys. Compare that to what you're seeing with uh, steam on the odd screen uh, or just make your own odd screen. Uh, and I think you'll find some success. Agreed. And to that, I will add my biggest takeaway will probably come back to a recurring theme for me that's really been reinforced this year, the notion of value versus VIG. A lot of us want to see, again, Trayvon Walker, 16 to 1 to go number one when the whisper started. Yeah, that seems really valuable, a nice juicy plus payout. It doesn't have to be that way. And I'll even think of an example this year to show that value and VIG are not necessarily opposing forces. I think a guy like Trevor Penning, minus 500 to go in the first round way more valuable in my book than odds like Sam Howell to go in the top 10, giving you a plus 2000 payout the other way. Um, you know, laying five to one versus taking back 20 to one seems like, Oh, the, the 20 to one in my favor sounds way better. Well, guess what? It should probably be closer to 200 to one and Trevor Penning, not only is he going in the first round, but drew, he's probably going in the first half of the first yeah. round. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. Well, I think we've covered, 
a lot of bases here with the NFL draft. I want to make sure before to let you go to weave in the other pillar of this podcast, of course, that being the hops. Ooh. And when it comes to your draft day viewing plans, perhaps any live streaming you may or may not be yes. doing, uh, let us know if that's in the works. And if so, any drinking plans on the radar as well as the first round unfolds. I've been in on a big ranch water kick lately. So a lot of uh, tequila and Topo Chico in my life these days. That'll probably be my drink of choice on Thursday next week. And uh, I'm very hopeful that there are live betting markets open. Bet Online did that a couple of years ago and it was super fun. They had live lines up or will this team, will the Giants take offense or defense with the fifth overall pick? That stuff is super fun. Uh, and uh, we'll Andy and I'll break that down live on the deep dive stream, assuming we have those options available to us. And uh, either way, we'll just comment on what we're seeing and uh, and chop it up and get a little get a little buzz on. Outstanding! Sounds like one of the most plus EV bets anybody <laughs> can make around draft night. Watch any broadcast of your choice on mute and listen to the deep dive live stream. Going to be yeah. a lot more entertaining and probably a lot more. We'll do our best well. not to tip. We'll if you like to if you like or you know we'll, we'll we'll get feedback from the viewers. But like if you don't want us to tip picks, if we get information, we won't. But uh, if you want to know as soon as we know, we will we will give you the info as fast as possible too. We'll, we'll let you guys decide. Love it. All right. Well, I know what uh, my audio accompaniment is going to look like throughout the first round of the draft already. Andrew, one more question before I let you go. Weaving mm-hmm. in the Malinsky minute, um, as the draft market heats up, NBA playoffs, it seems like after a bit of a lull after the Super Bowl, not for everybody. I know you do a bunch of sports tennis, NBA keeping you occupied, but for a lot of betters who might be getting back into the swing of things right now after a bit of a break, and it can come at you fast and furious. I think one of the best things that Dave did was to understand the lifestyle components around betting, knowing when to break away, and oftentimes coming back recharged and you know even sharper once he got back in front of the screen. To that end, what would you say are some of the biggest factors behind sustained success for any better that might not be advice directly related to betting itself? I think, uh, boy, sustained success comes with experience i think more than anything and if you don't have it you need to find a way to close that gap and that is probably just going to be find a way to kind of just get absorb data keep track of what you're seeing in the market um if you're going to bet the nfl regular season win totals but you don't think you're going to get around to making numbers until august they're op- they're going to open after the draft there's probably some up there now, actually. Like you should break those down. Know what they opened at. Know what the prices were, right? Like get put put as much information into your pocket as you possibly can as soon as you can. Um, and uh, you know, it's while you're watching the draft, there's dead time between every pick. Like, jot down some notes. Be like, oh, that was a surprise pick. Like this guy seems like a great fit. Like, oh man, that plugs a hole that I remember seeing you know the eagles having a weak ass secondary all season they just got one of the best guys and you know plugging that hole like that's awesome you know like you know you i would just kind of keep keep some notes um make it easier on yourself when uh you actually do get back into doing things full time i think you'll uh you'll find some success this year well said i don't think we can wrap it up on a much better note than that i want to make sure to plug your work so that people who aren't following you already can wake up and smell the coffee because there's a lot of good stuff to be found on twitter at whale underscore capper also co-host of the bet the edge podcast and the deep dive podcast 
Drew, anything I'm missing or anything else you'd like to add? You got it, my man. That was a perfect breakdown and uh, that was a great show. Good job. Thank you. Always appreciate your time and insight. And uh, really more than anything right now, I'm looking forward to our next session at Highland Park Brewery or Green Cheek Beer Company, <laughs> perhaps, or really anywhere in between. Thanks again, Drew. I love it. Goodbye. Thanks again to Drew, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our conversation, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you'd enjoy more podcasts to help inform your betting approach for this year's NFL Draft, or anything in the rest of the sports world for that matter, I'd encourage you to check out the Dimers Podcast Network at dimers.com podcasts. All right, that'll just about do it for this week. One final note, it's the last episode dropping before my beautiful and brilliant wife Allison's birthday, so a very happy birthday to the one and only Mrs. Props and Hops. For everyone else, I'll talk to you next week to put the finishing touches on the NFL draft betting market this year. And until then, thanks as always for listening and cheers. Props and hops and cops and hops.